Thank you for tuning in to Spiritual Debriefing, a podcast about living a Christian life in a very unchristian world, with your hosts, Daniel Meadows, Randy Bryson, Jed Harris, and Ray Taggart. Tonight, we talk about finding God's will and living in God's will. spiritual debriefing i am back with you guys i've missed you i am daniel meadows glad to be back with you welcome randy. back daniel sup dad hi i'm randy i know i've been here i know glad to see you what's up jed not much randy who are you i'm jed oh, hey jed and hello jed. derek is gone Damn. we are missing derek he <laughs> is saying hi derek so we'll say yeah. hi to ray yeah, just come <laughs> right on over to me and uh yep and i'm ray here as always running the board trying to make sure we sound good and uh please like and subscribe share the podcast with your family your friends with people you don't know if you think it's good uh, hopefully other people will too hopefully we can have some words for for everybody and, and give people some encouragement give people some some things to think about uh so yeah just look for us on all the social media sites uh please leave a comment uh, you can reach out to us anytime you want to at uh, ray at spiritual debriefing um and i think there's also i set up another email i don't remember it i think i talked about it last time i'll put it in the notes but um reach out to us anytime and without further ado i guess let's just get this on the road hey let's get to rolling um one thing that's been on my mind lately um you know, we've talked about following God's will uh, a few times before. And just kind of a follow-up from that conversation is, how do you know if his will is changing for your life? Mm, that's a good one. We'll just jump straight into the deep end. <laughs> right, right. Because, you know, I I do believe there's a lot of times where we think we know what the path is. We think we know what God's will for us is. And it's just because in our human experience, we tend to only see what's right here and don't realize that, yeah, you're actually going to go left for a little ways so that I can take you right on a different path later, right? You might just need to get over here for just a little tiny side quest, pick up a little item, and then you're going to go back a different direction. And uh, those shifts, they, they tend to surprise us, don't they? Because you think you're moving in the right direction. All of a sudden you hit some resistance or you hit some pushback and you're going, but wait a minute, this is what I was supposed to do, I thought. And uh, I mean, personally, just I think that's one of those things you just, you, you know, as long as you're staying in prayer, as long as you're constantly checking in and, and saying, is this what I want or is this what God wants? And I'm not saying they can't align sometimes and that's when you get lucky. But um, man, that's... That's one of those things I don't think you really notice until I've never noticed it until it's too late. <laughs> I'll give you a quote on that. <laughs> of course. There's no failure in God's will and no success outside of God's will. Yeah. What do you say to that? There's no failure inside of God's will and no success outside. For God, for sure. No, I, mean, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Um, 100% agree, but you know, I mean, cause, cause as, as we have gotten older, all of us have gotten older, 
what we thought was God's will has shifted, right? Um, you know, we, we, we hear like just the scary statistic is, is of how many pastors are leaving, how many youth pastors are, are leaving because I say, you know, that's not God's will for my life. Um, or whatever it may be. And that's not what's happening by the way. <laughs> but you know, like I've been in com- coming up in April on my anniversary here at the church, April 19th will be the ending of my 12th year of youth ministry and beginning my 13th year. That's a long time to be a youth pastor. Most youth pastors go 10 years and then they transition into something else, whether it be head pastor, associate pastor, or just leave altogether, you know? And so it's like, it's one of those things I've, I've asked people who, who have been in my shoes and it was like, Hey, you know, when did you know God was like, Hey, I'm done with you in youth ministry. It's time to go be a head pastor. It's time to step down into children's ministry. It's time to step in another area of the church or just, you know, like I, my former youth pastor left um, youth ministry and is now, um, uh, I don't even remember the name of where he's at now, but it's like a homeless shelter type thing. And that's what he's doing for his ministry. And there's been some that's left and gone to FCA. So I was like, how do you know when that happens? Like, like when do you know that is the moment to step out? I think, you know, you first, you're going to feel, I think you're going to see that you're not getting the same gains maybe you were. You're not getting the same effect that you maybe were. And and but there's also the whole part about you also have to have patience in the Lord. You might see that and start to feel that. And that doesn't mean you jump right away because mm-hmm. I do believe he puts the opportunities in front of you, right? It's it's there is there is faith involved with those two. You have to notice when a door opens and there's that opportunity, and you felt that that there is that option to move. You know, and it was like when we moved here. You know, we were we went from you know just before Christmas thinking we're gonna find a new place to move and live on a new spot in Hawaii or buy a house in Hawaii to New Year's Eve. Right, two barely two weeks later, to nope, we're moving on to Hawaii now, and it was after a lot of prayer and a lot of soul searching, and because you know I was deeply involved in my last church and I was help, helping them out with a lot of different things and had a lot more planned. You know, I was I was making tons of plans. I was in my mind thinking, this is where I'm going to have tons of impact. You know, they were doing a. Um, uh, uh, kind of a, what do you want to call it? A technical school, if you will. We were at minimum of once a month having a large event that was sponsored in some way or another and teaching young children and young adults life skills that we thought were very important. You know, we did a whole, I think I mentioned this a little bit before, but we did a whole thing on, on making cutting boards, right? That seems mm-hmm. kind of simple, but we took them through every single tool and every single step in that process, you know, using a planer, using a jigsaw, using sanders. And it wasn't just do this real quick. We talked about how they worked and what you're going to do and safety for using each tool and just 
showing these kids how to use power tools, right? We didn't grab the jigsaw from them. We had kids, you know, as young as Harmony was there, you know, seven years old using a jigsaw, cutting stuff, right? We're right there watching, but we're making them use it. I missed one, which was for the slightly older kids, but they took a bunch of young adult uh, teenagers and got set up with one of the big contractors on the island. They all got to drive around, you know, uh, front end loaders and and bobcats and stuff like that. Not, you know, a ton, but they got to push a few rocks around and make the bucket go up and down and just see what it's like to run one of those machines because you can actually make good money doing that. I mean, that's a technical trade that you you don't need to go to a four year college for. And you get these kids in these machines, and if they're like, "Man, this is awesome!" Like, great, you can, you know, you learn to run a D nine out in out in Hawaii, and you can make tons of money clearing coffee fields and clearing farms and yep. stuff like that and um they were the, the one i missed right when we left they did an entire butchering class they butchered a turk uh, chickens they butchered a pig they butchered a goat they were and that's something i don't know how to do and i wanted to learn i can do fish i know that's all i know but they went through the whole thing how you butcher it how you break it down how you package it how you keep it safe and the you know and they had plenty more plant. I wanted to be like, we should have one that, you know, teaches young adults. This is how you do your taxes. This is how credit scores work. This is how I had all these little, I'm like, I'm going to start teaching them all this stuff. I wish somebody would have taught me. <laughs> you know, I don't know why that's not a high school class. So anyway, I was planning all that. And then in two weeks, it was like, nope, moving someplace. I don't know anybody. <laughs> we all looked at Randy. <laughs> you got a quote about that, Randy? No. <laughs> you know, being in ministry, though, for 12 years, you switch churches. You know, um, average youth pastor stays at a church a year and a half, two years. Um, both of my two previous churches, I was there three years before uh, I left. And um, this one in April will be uh, the end of year four um, of being here. And so what I've noticed is that um, each, each time it changes. Right. So I was at my first church uh, for three years and, and it was just supposed to be a summer intern that turned into much longer. And it was a church that I love those people dearly. Um, I still communicate with them. I still pray for them. Uh, but it was a very old congregation church. Didn't really youth. We met on a Thursday night. We didn't even meet when the rest of the church was there, you know, and, and that was the way it was. It was like youth is their own separate thing. The rest of the church is their own separate thing. And that's what they wanted. And that's what they liked. Um, and I knew something like I knew God was calling me to not be there forever. And so, you know, I had started praying and um, just a, a, f a friend of mine that was a pastor at Bradley where I went to, he just kept talking to me like, hey, we're looking for a youth pastor. I really think you'd fit in with us here. I think you'd be great. You know, and, and I'd been there before doing D-Now weekends, um, little weekend uh, retreats with the youth group. And I was just like, okay, yeah, you know, um, I'm just not ready to leave yet. Like that was always my excuse was I've, I'm not ready to leave because I love the people. But then after, you know, I kept praying, I was like, all right, God, if that's really what you want me to do, give me some sort of sign. That's all of our prayers, right? We all have that Gideon prayer that, 
mm-hmm. if that's what you want me to do, show me. And he did through this pastor friend of mine multiple times. Mm-hmm. Hey, mm-hmm. we're looking. We really think you'd fit. Give me your resume. Hey, we're looking. We really, you know. Yep, that's the whole, hey, who do you think sent the boat? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you the know, signs are there. The signs are there, yeah. And so, but then when I left Bradley, because um, I left Village and, and went to Bradley, but when I left Bradley, it was in a different way. You know, we, and we, we've discussed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I just kind of was like, okay, so does the way God show us his will, why is it always different every time? And how do you know it's really what he is asking you to do? If you keep getting some kind of sign that tells you that you're not moving forward or shutting you down constantly, it don't have to be the same sign, but that that's God telling you in a way that you need to turn around, yeah, open that other door. Yep. Or the door is open and you're blind to it. Yeah. And and I, I had a really good sermon that actually one of the, it was actually our pastor's brother preached it when he, our pastor was out of town and he did this long sermon about, you know, God opened this door and that door. And then he also talked about how though constantly, you know, Satan is opening other doors too. Mm-hmm. And so how do you know, which is the which right are, door to step yeah. through. Right. And, and there was definitely a lot of parts in there about you. A lot of the tests you put to it is, is this going to glorify me or is this going to glorify God? Is this fulfilling my need or is this fulfilling God's need? And, and he, you know, he even went down the path of how a lot of times, especially that first door where you got that option. Do I go left? Do I go right? It's really hard to tell. And you take the wrong path and then, and it's, it, all of a sudden, then there's another option and another option and you keep going the wrong way and you keep going the wrong way. And, and, you know, the whole point was that, you know, you will get led down in the wrong path. You will get led astray. I think we all have mm-hmm. once or twice and it's going to happen again too. Um, cause that's, you know, there's a reason why Satan is who he is and, and he runs this world and we're in his playground right now. And, uh, but and so he ended, and I don't remember exactly how he ended it, but he talked about how, you know, you just got to take the path back to God. And what just, you know, popped into my mind at the time was like, the one thing that you got to remember is that that right door that leads to God, it always follows you. Mm-hmm. It's not like you have this long path back to God. Right. You just take one right door and you, you're right. And not saying you're back in hundred percent cleansed and back in hundred percent grace, but one right door and you're back on God's path. Yeah. And so you know, you have to have, again, like I said, faith and we're not supposed to live with a spirit of fear. And so you have to be okay to, to say, okay, this is what I think is God's will. And know that if you're wrong, he's going to show you another door. He's going to take you out at another point and, and not be afraid to try to move in God's will and make a mistake. I think like our Sunday school, that we had Sunday, Mike's question that we had, Daniel wasn't there, and I can't remember exactly what the question was, but it followed right up with Roger's message too. And I think if, and what Ray just said, if we die to ourselves and just follow God and everything glorifies him, we take us out of the equation it makes it a lot easier to see what's in front of us. And 
that answers a whole lot of questions when we can take ourselves out of it. And that's, that's hard to do. I was just going to say, and that's so easy. <laughs> that's, that, that is. It, it's not easy uh, at all. No. To follow up something you just said, so, uh, got a quote here. It says, God has a plan for you. Uh, God has a plan for your life, and the enemy also has a plan for your life. Just be ready for both and wise enough to know which one to battle and which one to embrace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and I think you said it a while ago, too. You can't just assume that's what God wants. I think you need to be in a lot of prayer about what it needs to be. And we're going to make the wrong decision no matter what. At times, I should say. I'm not going to say all the time, but we're going to make the wrong decisions at times. And we're if we're in prayer, in, in his word, I'm pretty sure we'll probably figure that out as quickly. Okay, this is not the path. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is the path. I think this is the path because it's going the right way, <laughs> you know. Yeah, so we're right. not going to know, but as long as you're within prayer and in His Word, you're gonna you're gonna find a way to figure out that path. Yep. So. And then you just got to be willing to examine your fruit constantly. Keep looking at what is actually coming from what I am doing. Yep. Is this is this helping me or is this helping glorify the Lord? And that's not easy either. That requires a lot of, I think also those dangerous questions where you go to someone else and say, Hey, how am I doing? What do you see from what I'm doing? That's what what I was, what would you tell me? Yeah. That's what I was about to bring up too is, you know, I mean, like when I left village to go to Bradley, it was because someone kept approaching me, you know, and, and I had a friend, uh, probably last week, maybe the week before that had mentioned about, um, trying to, trying to see if that's really what God was wanting him to do. You know, like that was his prayer. He had the, I I call it the Gideon prayer, you know, and, and we know that story sitting around the table, Gideon prayed, you know, God asked him to do something and Gideon said, all right, God, if that's what you want me to do, make the fleece wet, but the ground around it dry. And that's what happened. So then it was okay. Make the ground around the fleece wet make the fleece dry, you know, and that's what happened. And I told, um, I told my buddy, I, I told him, I was like, man, if this opportunity keeps getting put in front of you, then that's gotta be God saying step follow. Like it's time, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in the last few years, I've in the last year, at least I've got away from that. Gideon prayer. I I just pray to be in his will and to just because I'm not smart enough to see those signs. <laughs> right. Even if he just smacked it right in front of my face, it, it, I probably wouldn't see it. So <laughs> hold up a poster board in front of you. We'd all still be going, huh? huh? Yeah. yeah. Right. You sure, God? That's what you want? <laughs> just put me in your will and make yeah. sure I do it. And yeah. th- that's more of my prayer to last year instead of. Show me the signs, because the signs, nah, I'm human. It's yeah. not going to work. Well, yeah. and I think I think the devil also is really, really good at throwing up signs, too. Yes. I mean, that's, oh, absolutely. that's the easiest way for them to try to confuse you. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, we also, being human, you can flash a shiny object in front of most of us, and we're like, ooh. ooh. <laughs> Squirrel. Yep. <laughs> so, but I know when you step, like, when you step out of the wheel, we've talked about this, too, is is you're just kind of miserable. You know, like when I went to the sheriff's office, I was miserable and it wasn't necessarily because I was at the sheriff's office, but it's because I wasn't doing what God called me to do. You seen the sign. 
Yeah. <laughs> and I think within that, because of working in the sheriff's office as well, your surroundings will put you in a place that oh, makes, so negative, you, yeah. Yeah, makes you know that that's not the right path. Yeah. It, it took working with one of the inmates in the jail that was like, dude, you belong not here. Yeah. <laughs> like, you belong in a church. You, you know, like he was like, your, your heart and, and your kindness towards us is not someone that belongs at the sheriff's office. Yeah. I, I've got this little statement right here that I just come across. It says, what does God want from me to uh, want from me to do? And the answer it has down here is God wants to give you a purpose. So I think within that, that's a pretty good statement. If we're trying to figure out God's will, there will be laid out a purpose for you. And probably not like transparent, yeah. but there will be a goal in mind and the purposes for you to take all roads possible to get that goal fulfilled. Mm-hmm. So I think in one of your questions is, you know, how am I in God's will? you will be filled with a purpose to go down that road. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, it doesn't mean that you're going to be happy all the time. It doesn't mean that it's going to be easy or you're not going to be, you know, you know, miserable is is definitely a good way to say it because some people will take that and say, oh, but I I don't like this. I'm miserable. That's different. Miserable is like a full experience. It's spiritually, it's physically, it's mentally, it's emotionally. All of it in concert is not working. That's miserable. Yeah, just because I have a bad day doesn't make it miserable. Right. People you know, use some of these words too much nowadays to be like, oh, this, this weather's miserable. Like, yeah. it's, like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. But, it's nice. but all shapes and directions in life there, too, you may have to go through that state just to be able to get past another part of your life. That's true. Yeah. You might so, be in a uh, Job experience yeah. for I all mean, that's, you. That's what, so yeah. that, that purpose may get you to a point to calm you down a little bit and back off of something and go to another side yeah. of your your part in life. Yeah. I've, I've also, too, been in the sheriff's office. I, I think God allows you to, I think we talked about this previous, but I think God allows you to do certain things on your own to show you that that's not right for you and to give you that experience because I really wanted to be, you know, a cop and like Derek, I fell down the wrong paths within that area. And by the end of my time at the sheriff's office, I was miserable and I didn't open my eyes out to what I wanted. I just seen everything else that was, supposedly great and by the end of it it was like rock bottom so i chose something i secondly i wanted was to go to you know work on cars and it just seemed like every door would just open for me i mean i signed up for school here's a scholarship go for it all right what do i need to pay back nothing everything's free go for it and you know pretty much soon as I needed a job, Juan was right there. And, of course, a good Christian man I worked for. And it's it's different whenever you walk into a place such as the sheriff's office and you just have all the free, I don't want to say free will, but basically all the freedoms hmm. of anything you want and do whatever you want to a little bit of structure and you're back into you know a path of God's will of being with good Christian people. And then 
happened to move back here and getting back into another government job that I was just, I will throw out just miserable because there was just no ending in sight for any of it. And I just worked there, worked there, and finally one day I just I told my wife I said, "Hey, this is ain't this is not working for me." I said, "We need to make a change," and it was a spare of a moment to kind of change. I'm like, "Hey, we need to remodel the house in eight months because I'm starting school in eight months," and basically I was a jerk about it, just saying, "This is what's going to happen." And if you're not ready, we're going to just do it anyway. <laughs> and I didn't mean to come that way, but it was one of those deals. It just, it went that way. And luckily every door opened again. So I knew it was a path of mine to get away from all the government ways <laughs> and all the surroundings I was in. And luckily for me, I'd say luckily it was a blessing from God. I will say I walked into a shop and I had a great boss sit there and talk to me. I, we had a 45 minute interview Maybe 10 minutes of it was about the job. The rest of it was our church lives, how we're doing better with each other, you know, growing in Christ and what we're doing, you know, to get away from our old ways. And next thing I know, he was like, when can you start? And I'm like, well, whenever you say, boss. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I can't be happier. I, I tried to look back and try to say, man, all this time, you know, this was what I wanted, you know, not mm. really what I wanted, but, you know, going further in God here because I didn't really need all that other stuff. I just needed good people to be with and working that, you know, working with and just, just having, and now I'm thinking, man, how, what is a miserable day now? You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm like, I'm sitting here eight, 10 hours a day working and I'm just sitting here going, man. By now, I should be bored. You know, by now, I should be just upset and just like, I'm ready to go home, get out of here, you know. But now I'm like, have to be forced out of the shop. <laughs> you know, so. They're like, we're leaving yeah. and locking the door. Yeah. Here lately, I hadn't been, like I said, doing, doing family things. I've been leaving way before everybody else has. So, I mean, it's, it's awesome because my boss is like, family comes first. He's like, you got something there? Go. Yeah. He'll give you a little bit of a hard time like we do, just poke and stab a little bit. But he's just like, hey, you know, family is more important than this. You got to be able to do it. So, yeah. Yep. So well, that, that's just in a nutshell. Like I said, that was just one of those things that I, I seen in my life that I think God gives you a little bit of stuff to show you that's not what you really yeah. want in life. You, you mentioned something about like uh, God lets you have those choices, you know, those free wills. Um, and there's a, uh, an account from scripture that popped into my mind. And, and if you think about it, Jonah, um, called the Nineveh, right. Um, and, and what does he do? He runs from the calling, right. Um, I always said the sheriff's office was my Jonah moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, you call it that. Well, I, I call I, it other things. <laughs> <laughs> I call it that. No, I'm just. Um, but God allowed him to choose to run. You know, and, and as I think about that, and I think about even my own life, and and I'm sure we all can um, think about those moments that we ran from what God's called us to do. 
And I'm just reminded of the grace and the mercy that he extends to us to let us come back and into his calling. Us. And the patience. You know, like mm-hmm. when, when I ran from the calling of ministry because of what had happened. Um, you let people. I let people. Yeah. And my and, God. Yep. And people are going to hurt you. That's just the way it is. Yep. Um, but I'm just gracious that God allowed and was patient with me and allowed me back to step back into what he wanted me to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, and it all comes from, um, being in his word, spending time with him. You know, he, he wants that. He wants the best for you and he wants to be with you in that relationship. Oh yeah. And he comes with you too. Even when you make those wrong choices, I'm sure you still did things that glorified him with your actions, Mm -hmm. through talking to people, through working with people. You know, that's the other thing that I think can help give us a little peace in those decisions we make that even when we do make the wrong choice, if we're still bringing God with us, if we're still not giving up and compromising and we're, you know, doing what we're supposed to be doing, sharing his word and, and being an example to others, you will still bear fruit, Mm -hmm. right? You will still be able to do good things. And then hopefully we notice the signs when it's time to change direction again. Uh, Cause I, I agree. He does. He'll let you go. He'll give you the rope to hang yourself with. As they yeah. say. He doesn't stick one way signs in front of you to turn. Nope. But I think it's like anything else. I mean, I could be wrong here when I say this, but I think it's like anything else. You could plateau at any point. In God's will. Oh. And you sit here and say, do I just keep going or is there something else I need to do? You know, and it may not yeah. be just plain as day to you at that point, but you just seem like you're just stuck in one way. Yeah. You're stuck it in the rut. doesn't mean you're still doing wrong. It just may not be up to your full potential of yeah. what you're doing. So mm-hmm. I mean, and there's other ways around. Yeah. Well, and once you reach that plateau, like if you're in God's will, once you reach that plateau, that may be God showing you, hey, it is time to step out to something different. It is time, you know, for like most youth pastors that leave youth ministry and go to a pastor of a church. Like once they reach that plateau, it may, that may be God saying, Hey, it is time to step up or to back. the next mountain to climb up yeah, or back. Cause there or, might be somebody yeah. else that needs to be at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And you can be backing <clears throat> down to something that you can be, you know, yeah. comfortable in or still be doing something that needs to be done, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you're mentoring somebody. Yeah. Um, the other part that's, I think that's the hardest for us is the weight Yeah. because mm-hmm. you'll hit that plateau and then we feel it like almost immediately. And you're like, Oh, I got to do something. I got to. Yeah. So you start pushing, you start looking, you start forcing as opposed to saying, okay, God, I've hit, I think I've hit a plateau. So I am now open. When you're ready, yeah. show me where I'm supposed to go next. And like right. Derek always says, well, what he says here lately <laughs> is saying yes is to somebody is saying no to somebody else or saying mm-hmm. something other than what you need to be doing. Yeah. So, I mean, we never know what that plateau is. Is it something we need to back off over? Is there something we do need to step up? So mm-hmm. That waiting, though, is the worst. 
Because mm-hmm. we don't like sitting stagnant. Even if you're working, even if you're showing up every day, you're still you know teaching and doing mm-hmm. the classes and all mm-hmm. of that, but you're sensing that nothing's advancing. And so again, our, our own personal sense of, of I don't want to say that's the ego stepping and saying, I'm nothing's happening. I'm not accomplishing anything. I need to do something about that. And, uh, then that's when, we, that's when we have to remember to say, okay, Lord, this is where I need your help. This is where I need you more than anything else. Because we, we tend to, we call out to him every time when we're at the bottom mm-hmm. and then, you know, when when we're up at the top or when we get bored, that's not when we ever remember to bring him in, you know? Well, me and Derek had a conversation back at camp last year. And Randy was there. We had a question asked to us out there at the fireside. And it was from a youth pastor. How how do you keep going when you, if you're discouraged about not having a big youth group? not leading so many to the Lord and you know, the Lord doesn't want you to know everything. Mm-hmm. We all have a job. We could be the guy that tilling the soil. We could plant the seed. We could water the seed. We may never see the outcome. So mm-hmm. what you got to ask yourself is, are you discouraged because you want to know? Are you just, are you living for the Lord and letting him go yeah. ahead and do it? I mean, is it you or is it yeah. his will? I've, I've had that question asked of me actually before. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and my answer was, you know, the, the, of course, the biblical youth pastor church answer is as long as I just reach one. That's right. You know, and, and we say that so much. That's so cliche now in churches that we, you know, I mean, we say it for everything, anything we do, as long as we reach one, you know. That's what we said about the podcast. Right. As long as, yeah. we, reach as, long as we reach one. But then I'm like, okay, do we really believe that? Or is that just lip service? You I, know? I believe it. I believe yeah, that if we reached I, I do one, too. I do uh, too. I believe that, you know, right here, we're. Planting a seed, somebody's listening. Yeah. If they're not listening today, they might listen several years. Yeah. Right. Right. So, yeah. We could literally be talking to somebody in the future. In the future. Who hears something. I mean, yep. And, like my first two years here, the youth group was so small and people are like, how do you keep going with that? I'm like, because that's what God's asked me to do is <laughs> just <laughs> to keep plowing the field and to keep pushing because something's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be while I'm here or if it's going to be like if God calls me somewhere else. And then, th- like, I don't know. I just know it's time for me to hook up to the plow and plow. Like, that's all I know, mm-hmm. you know. And so that's what I'm going to do. And I, I look at it as, you know, you might not touch one that's here every week. Right. Even if they're here every week, but they might carry something with them to tell someone else. Right. Unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. And. There's your one seed the one. already starting to bloom. Yeah. And it's not, it was because it traced back to you because it was using God's will, doing what you're supposed to be doing. Because right. you have been faithful with these small things, you will now be granted yep. many things. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to add. Maybe we should just look at it as far as maybe we don't need a lot of people. Maybe we just, 
our purpose is just to minister just to one, one-on-one, because that's how that person, you know, learns in that way, instead of having a group session where he just gets to pick and choose a little bit of it and not be directly talking to you. So we should look at it as one needs to be ministered to as much as a group as well. I mean, Jesus left the 99 to find the one. one. So, I mean, numbers is not always the best thing. There might be just a few that needs the one-on-one interaction to actually plant the seed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The numbers game is... I cringe on the numbers game. I don't, as a pastor, I don't like the numbers game. Right. But you know, you'd be happy. It's, it's hard to not, you, you can't say, well, I won't be happy though. If all of a sudden I have a hundred in like a couple right. of years, but, but it's, and it's hard not to dream for that. You know, yeah. it's the same thing with, with again, this podcast. I mean, yeah. every time I'm doing the stuff I'm doing, I'm, I'm, I'm picturing down the road when it's like, yeah, we got hundreds of listeners, mm-hmm. you know, but. Will that ever come? I don't know. <laughs> but we also need to look at it too. We need those sincere listeners, not yeah. just the ones that are just here. Not necessarily listeners or youth group or anything. Yeah. Just the ones that want to learn to be here or the ones that want to listen and be, you know, into it and not necessarily just here because here or listening just because they want to hear. It is a struggle as a pastor when you're plowing the field week after week after week and you feel like your seed is falling on deaf ears, you know, because people are just there. Mm -hmm. They're not interacting. They're just kind of looking at you or not even looking at you. They're looking out windows or, you know, and and that does get to where you're going, okay, like how much longer am I going to have to plow? Like, (laughs) And, and I'm not saying you're, I'm just saying, but we shouldn't judge because we don't know the person's heart. Right. Right, so and, and you're right. We, I could sit here and look out the door and listen to everything you said. No, I know, <laughs> but I'm just saying. Yeah, at this point, I mean, we shouldn't have that struggle of saying, "I'm doing this every day. Why aren't you yeah. kicking on?" You know, like, well, doesn't well, matter. Yeah, we go until the. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's been, there's been moments in my 12 years that, um, I have felt like that to where it's like, okay, I've like how are you not getting this yet? I felt like Jesus with the disciples. Like, how do you not understand this? I've plowed for three years with you. And then out of the blue, one of like a former student of mine was like, Hey, do you remember when you said this? Like that really hit home. I'm like, Dude, what? Yeah, like, you, no, were, I don't, but, you weren't paying but attention? But it took Jesus to die before they kind of understood. <laughs> right, right. You know? I mean, they but, understood some, but it took yeah. them to die to be able to figure out, it, oh, oh, wow, that is something, yeah. uh, what he said. <laughs> but, but it just kind of shows you that, like, yeah, at that moment, you're going, okay, like, how do you not get this? But then years down the road, you know, it's like, Oh, the light bulb finally went off. I do that all the time, guys. <laughs> yeah, right. I remember what you said 10 years ago. I can't remember five minutes ago, but I remember. No. Oh, the light bulb moments. Well, that's, that's, you know, the other half of the living word is that it can mean something different to you today mm-hmm. than it does mm-hmm. tomorrow. Even. Absolutely. And, mm-hmm. and that's why I've, I find it so fascinating. You know, when I first, 
you know, got got saved again. And actually, there's one good thing. For the, uh, I should. There's more than one good thing. You know, the first church that we went to. I know I've kind of a couple times said that they were definitely more prosperity gospel style, but they still did a lot of things right. They actually strongly encouraged every single member to group up in smaller groups and do you know the yearly Bible study. Read your entire Bible every single year. Mm-hmm. And they would. There was like half a dozen groups, and they're like, oh, well, these people meet on Wednesdays over at this McDonald's and these people meet on Tuesdays over here at the Denny's and just figure out what works for your time, what people you want to meet up with, get plugged in. They got their study guide and you do get a lot. I mean, just kind of you get that encouragement to actually do it when you know that you're going to show up and there's other people who are expecting you to have read what you're supposed to read over the last week. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, of course, you know, they're just trying to get Christians to read their Bible, trying to be like, I got to read it every year. But then now for almost four years later, I find myself going back to stuff I've already gone over again. And now that because I better understand some Old Testament, some New Testament changes, because I understand a a cross reference between two even New Testament writings. Now it makes more sense as I the Holy Spirit works more in me as I understand more as just life experience happens. I, every time I read through it, there's new things to find and things I'm like, I, I, that wasn't there. I swear I read this last year and that was not there. <laughs> so there's, it's amazing what you can find in the Bible as you actually read through it. Yeah. Yeah. So read your Bibles. <laughs> <laughs> to go back to your question or your statement earlier about youth pastors staying for just so many years and going and this and that. My cousin, he graduated high school and went to college and was a park ranger for the national park services for probably about three years. But then he got the call on to be a pastor. So he come back home and was kind of filling in and doing this and that. And uh, he got into the University of Arkansas, into the hedge, which is the Baptist Union down there. And uh, he was supposed to take over for the guy that had been there. And Warren was probably, I don't know, he's pretty old, but he'd been there forever. My cousin just now quit the hedge, I think, last December. And he's 50. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I, I think everybody's callings is different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I just know that's um, that's just an average. Yeah. You know. Um, well, youth pastor's got to be tough because you have a it is a built in transient flock. Yeah. Right. You're right. Yeah. The kids and, kids are going to come in and out faster. They're aging out anyway. They're yeah. going to leave you. Yeah. Right. They that you are they are going to go back hopefully into just the rest of the church or into the next level. But at the same time, you know, a lot of, and and not all pastors, but a lot of pastors get to look forward to seeing the same people for the entire time. And you have a ever changing, constant evolving group of people to preach to. So it's tricky. You're plowing more ground than a pastor and, of a church. Right. And it will. And, and that's what I was about to say. It's not just the youth though, that I service, you know, it's the youth and their parents, it's mm-hmm. their families, you know, that's, 
you know, I'm there when, like, if a parent calls me up and says, hey, like, I need you to come over now, you know, I'm there. And, and, and I've done that. Three o'clock in the morning, hey, I, we need you to come over. Okay. Like, so maybe it's a stress problem. It may be. <laughs> that might be. It it might overwork be. stress. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, that and, and that's part of why some youth pastors leave is, is because it is the overwork stress. Mm-hmm. It's the overwork stress and underappreciated, you know, and, and, and I don't do youth ministry for the praise of people, right? Like if I did it for the praise of people, I'd be doing it for the wrong reasons. It's like <laughs> last night we talked about giving to the needy and it's all about your heart. You know, if you give to the needy out of the wrong reasons, for the reward and the praise of people, that's all the reward you're going to get. Like mm-hmm. God's not going to give you a reward, mm-hmm. you know, goes back to die to your die on exactly. the cross yourself. And yeah. Die to self. Um, you know, but, but I mean, pastors are human just like everyone else. And sometimes mm-hmm. pastors want to feel appreciated and have that attaboy yeah. moment, you know, and <laughs> right. Everybody, um, everybody needs that little lifting up every yeah, now and again. Yeah, you know? and, and so I think that's one of the reasons why so many, I keep saying so many, but I think that's one of the reasons why people leave youth ministry, um, you know, and, and I've heard that from people who were in youth ministry that left. They were like, I just didn't feel appreciated at the church anymore. So, you know, I was done and, and I always hate seeing that feelings. I know. <laughs> you, you're cold-hearted. I have a heart. I hear all the time I don't. It's like I found the, mine. I can't say that no more. Yeah. It's like the Grinch. I've seen it on the little machine. <laughs> I think, you know, the nice thing, I what I've seen, and the, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong in this, Daniel, but I think kids have been some of the 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 best evangelers or evangelizers of, their, of other people. Like, they bring more people to the church than adults do mm-hmm. other kids it's mm-hmm. always oh i got my friends i got my whatever it is there's constantly and not not all of them stay and it's a right. you know it's a hit or miss situation but they never seem to give up they're constantly like oh i brought a new friend i brought a new person i brought my cousin i brought you know they're, yeah. they're bringing new people yeah. all the time so you do have you do have a lot more opportunity as, as they were yeah. saying you got you got a lot of Fertile, fertile minds to feed the gospel into. Mm-hmm. You looked like you had a quote, right? I feel like you have I, something. I, over I thought there. he did too. <laughs> Maybe it's just gas. Yeah. <laughs> Probably so. I don't know. I'm looking. Those nutty buddies. Yeah, right. Man is not supposed to know about oh. those. She listens. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, in I wonder too. I mean, how many youth pastors became youth pastors because they wanted to become a youth pastor, or is it the I want to be a pastor? And everything that I've seen is kind of like, well, okay, you're going to start as a youth pastor, yeah. And then that it it's all from an outside perspective. I've never studied into any of it, but it yeah. seems like the path is you get you you get your you go to seminary. You then either go to a tiny church or you become a youth pastor. And that's how you you, you have to progress. They kind of have it built in to yeah. the system, that, that idea that this is what you're supposed to do. You start here, and at some point, you're going to get the opportunity to move to the next well, step. 
and and no, you're right there, right? And and here's why, um, because of the mindset of people in churches is when when we call a pastor, um, like when we're like if your church is searching for a pastor, the number one thing I always heard was we want somebody as a head pastor that has got X amount of years of experience, right? And so what's the best way to get experience of working in ministry? We're going to throw them into the youth because they're young. Mm -hmm. They're young coming out of seminary for the most part. So Mm -hmm. we're going to throw them into youth. They're going to be the youth guy, not the youth pastor, the youth guy Mm -hmm. for X amount of years. And then we're going to hope that they still want to be a pastor eventually. And what's happening in one one of these guys I've been following, his name's Shane Pruitt, um, amazing evangelist, but he's written a book called um, Calling Out the Called, and I want to buy it. Um, and he's he's like, hey, it, you know, he's essentially like, these people are leaving because we're not calling them out to stay. We're not equipping and preparing the next generation of pastors. We're just throwing them to the wolves and hope they can float. You know, mm-hmm. that's like saying, hey, jump off the Titanic, but I'm not giving you a lifeboat. Swim back to shore. Like, yeah. And that's what we're doing with these people fresh out of seminary or in my case, people who never went to seminary. And so it's just kind of we're going to throw you to the young people. You're going to work there for however many years and then use it as a stepping stone is what I call that. Now, there are some people who are called to youth ministry and that's what they do for their whole career in the church. I know a guy, he's down at the um, state convention. Very good friend of mine. His name is Warren Gassaway. He was a um, youth pastor down in El Dorado up until his forties. I mean, mid forties. And now he works for the state convention, you know, but he started 19, 20 years old. So, I mean, he went 20 years as a youth pastor yeah. You know, and, and so, but yeah, I mean, it is kind of, um, the younger people go get thrown to the youth and then because churches want older people as older men as their pastors, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's part of that weight is the hard part for, at least mm-hmm. from what I see for a lot of those people who, again, want to see the progression because youth pastor being doing 20 years from a few stories from the things i've read the people who do it for that long they have some of the most amazing stories Mm -hmm. of the people that they saw from little children to now adults and what they're now doing with their lives Mm -hmm. now i'm not saying pastors don't have those same stories too but i just seen i've seen a lot more i've read a lot more of them coming from people who devoted their life to that ministry of of taking children from milk to meat you know yeah. to to yeah. being disciples and and spreading the gospel themselves and so maybe for anyone listening that's a word of encouragement they could take and say yeah it's it's gonna seem tough you're gonna seem underappreciated who cares what people think it's what god right. thinks right? right he's he's never gonna underappreciate you there's never a point where if you're only got one kid left in front of you and you're teaching the word of God to one kid, God is very, very happy mm-hmm. with you. Mm-hmm. And you just, you got to know that it's, it's a long game. You're playing the long game and it's the, one of the most important ones there is, you know? And as, as a youth pastor, most, you know, most of the time in, in youth groups, you have them seven to 12. Here we go. Six to 12. 
you know, what is that, six years that you really have them. And that's six of the most crucial years when they are impressed upon the most. Like, I feel like, because six of my 12 years was with um, children and youth. So uh, I'm speaking from experience. I feel like those sixth through 12th grade years, those youth years are when kids are impressed upon the most in their beliefs from their friends and what shapes them and who they're going to become. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We, we, we can impress upon young minds, fifth grade and below, but that's not really going to shape who they become as adults. It's those later years, those teen years where we're really pressing on them and we're really squeezing out who can you be? Mm -hmm. Where's your character built? It's those later years, Mm -hmm. you know, Yep, I think that those it's it's foundational, right? Those very very early years. Mm-hmm. That's where you lay the foundation of how do they react in situations. What is their the root of their character? Are they you know what is what drives them? Mm-hmm. And then you're right through that early teenage period. That's when you actually start to develop. Okay, so I got my foundation. Now, what's the actual house going to look like? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the functionality of these tools, these base pieces I've put together? And I know it as we've talked about the need to have that that continue through right they move into that next section which is when the rest of the world pushes on them really mm-hmm. hard when they're in that full teen years and then they get into their 20s and that's when the freedom gets handed to them and that's when in in my opinion we're it's less now we're actually seeing a huge revival amongst that age right now oh yeah and it's awesome to see the problem is is there's a lot of bad doctrine out there there's a lot of bad teaching out there there's a lot of people who aren't reading the bible and are misinterpreting the bible and that those ears they're very impressionable Mm -hmm. which is why you know we've talked about how we want to try to get something set up for those those people those those adults at that age and my main focus i think on it right now is trying to to teach them just this is what the Bible actually says. This is the doctrine that you don't want to deviate from. You cannot compromise on these certain things because that's where the rest of the world is constantly coming in and saying, no, no, it's okay. Just do, you know, this is just do a little of this. That'll be fine. And then, you know, well, a while later, well, but now that you're doing that, you can just go a little bit over here yep. and it'll be just fine. You're not, you're not sinning that much. It's not that bad. And that's when they need somebody who is constantly saying, it's like, no, actually, that's you're you are sliding. And Mm -hmm. that's where we lose a lot of them, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, I'm not trying to go too far off of it, but it's it's every step is so critical. And right now, I think the where we've ended up, where we are, where there are so many churches where it's full of a lot of much older people and we're missing that chunk in the middle is because there was just nothing set up for them there. That was the same thing I ran into. You know, I hit 18 and I was like, good, go to church. You're done. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's all that was left for you after that. Yeah. There was no more youth group. There was no more young adult group. It was just like, yeah, now you just start going to church like everybody else. And no, I didn't. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, you I don't. Was there. Yeah, your friends yeah. are like, no, don't go to church. Come party Saturday night. You know, yeah. I didn't go to sleep until church started on Sunday. So I mean, it was it. That's that's where I think we we again that all adds up. You have to and and if you have somebody who's a good youth pastor who's setting you up, who's mm-hmm. establishing that, then you're not 
fighting so hard at that age. You're just reinforcing. Mm-hmm. You're just reminding. You're just encouraging and edifying as opposed to having to to start over and be like, you've been taught wrong. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like the, the youth pastor laid the foundation, built the walls, put the roof on. Now it's time for you to put the sheetrock and the paint in there. Yeah, exactly. To, what what, you what are you going to color it? What type of yeah. appliances are you going to put in there? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know why we went to house building. I don't know. Foundation. <laughs> God talks about foundations too. So, you know, he yeah. was a builder. Right? Yeah. Yeah. He was a carpenter. Yep. Jesus, the carpenter. Don't look at me. <laughs> no, Derek's not here. We don't have anybody uh, talking about building things on the wood. Uh, so. He loves his woods and exotic woods. <laughs> He'll go on a whole conversation with that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So, foundations, huh? Yeah. Go ahead. I have nothing. I'm just going uh, to get you back on track. <laughs> foundations. <laughs> I thought maybe you had a quote. Oh. I mean, you are the quote master here. Yeah, that's not, your that's your new intro name, quote not, master. Not today, right? <laughs> we kind of surprised everybody. Yeah, we did. Offices. Yeah, today was a, a surprise topic. We Sorry. had a plan, and then God said, "Nope, you got a different plan." Sorry so, about that. It's all good. Mm. I think uh, what we've been talking about, I think, is yeah. so, you know exactly yeah. what God wanted us to talk about today. That's you know, because that this is. Um, oh, here you go. Yeah, go ahead. Without a solid foundation, you'll have trouble creating anything of value. That is true. So a solid foundation. Let me ask you this then. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to figure because it just popped into my mind. When we're talking about church and ministry, is a solid foundation something that you lay during the children? years um or is it something like if we're just talking about within the church itself not ministry but just within the church when do you lay your solid foundation i think that's probably within the within the individual because mm-hmm. at some point like we talked about it's going to click yeah so we're all going to have the seed planted hopefully by that point so to have a good foundation, I think it's, I would think it's probably within the individual because there's a lot of pew sitters. There's a lot of, I'm coming to church, none of, until you actually get hit over the side of the head about, oh, there's something I'm supposed to be doing. That foundation, I think, will have to be set in at that point. I mean, you can be beating it into a kid from early age and they're just here to see their friends, you yeah. know? So when the foundation starts, I think you need to, I mean, you as a person probably need to sit back and reevaluate yourself and clean out your heart and allow God to come in and be able to set you straight. So the foundation I think is built upon the seed, of course, but I don't know. I can't answer that. I, I just, I will tell you. Long way around to say, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying at the end of the day, I had I had a good foundation, but to act upon that foundation, it took me growing up to figure out that's what I needed to do. Yeah, but you did still have it originally laid. Yes. You know, yeah. and 
And I, to I be think solid though, it right? Was later yeah. On. yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, I think most of the work starts at home. Yeah, yeah. And that was and, my next question: Who, yeah, who's responsible for laying that foundation? If you're just going to rely on church to lay the foundation, and that's it, you're going to have a real spotty foundation. Yeah. That's and that's and it's going to take you a or take you a really long time to build it, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that you could look at it exactly like building a foundation. Yep. If you work on it for an hour once a week, it'll take you decades to get it right, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? And and not to put anything negative against you, Randy, but I mean, from what you've told me of how your kind of raising up came up, it was, you went to church, and that was it. That was there was it. nothing outside of it. So no. maybe that's why it took so long for that foundation to form. And I'm going to probably get in trouble if any of my family listens. I really don't care. But, See, wouldn't that actually make you happy, Randy? Yeah. I, I just, we went to a funeral the other day uh, for my great aunt and the preaching went on. And at the end of it, I was talking to my wife and I said, that's the preaching I grew up on. I said, do you see where I'm coming from whenever a pew sitter was the best you was going to get? Because it's just reading a scripture out of the Bible, and there was no conviction of it. Yeah, it was just I'm preaching, telling you the word, but no conviction, and, and it's basically just sitting in a classroom going to school. I, okay, fine, I have to do it, you know. Yeah, and I I told her I said aside I said I'm not trying to put down my family how we all came up, not the preachers. I'm not. I'm just saying it took me later years to realize that there was a conviction that I'm not doing it right. I'm not saying I'm doing it right now, but I'm just saying. You're getting better, though. It's it's at a point that I want to work within the church, work within, you know, doing different things and working on myself, obviously. But I'm sitting here going, yeah, growing up, it was just attending church was basically you're a good boy, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's what I'm saying. I, I will tell you the light bulb for me was when my kids were born. Oh, now I've got a whole new responsibility. I know God said to do this with your kids and raise them in this way. It, it, the conviction wasn't on me until that point. You know, I got married and it was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm married. I've got to be a husband. I got to do this. And it should have hit me then. But at this point, it's like, well, there's a responsibility of a family now. And God put rules on how you're supposed to do it, especially after a a, a sermon that our last preacher that had passed away was going on about, uh, I say going on, I didn't mean that, uh, preaching about a uh, the roles of the Father, how you're going to be you know, held accountable for all that. Yeah. And that, I mean, it was like, wow. I mean, it's stuff you know, but when you hear it out loud and it actually does convict you, you're sitting here going, can we have a redo and yeah. start this all over, you know, because I'm like, this is so late in life and I'm already screwed up, you know? So I, I it's, yeah, I, I think the foundation, like you said, was set, but to be convicted on top of that, you know, foundation to be able to be solid. Yep. I, I still maintain, I think that holds to the individual because once yeah. that light bulb goes on, you're going to think back going, man, what what did I do? Or what did I didn't do? Right. <laughs> well, you know. 
The only to, thing I want to throw in real quick, not to interrupt Daniel, yeah. just say that for that light bulb thing is, is I totally agree, but also for the parents or for the people doing it, that means you just got to keep flicking the switch more. Like yeah. the more often you try to turn that light bulb on, the faster it will come on. So I don't want to just don't want to give anybody an out and be like, well, my kid will just get to it eventually, maybe in their 20s or their 30s. It's like, no, no, you want to you you gotta, need it, go yeah. at it. And you yeah. are. I mean, I'm not saying you're not, but that was the same issue that I had was that my parents love them. I love my parents and they took me to church yeah. every Sunday for a long time. But that was it. Yeah. There was nothing beyond that. So that's why it took me such a long time to get convicted, to yep. understand what was oh, really going on. And all those times, like I said, when I, I finally got out of the house and moved out on my own and I was like, oh, this is freedom. You know, I, I was convicted because I knew, it, you know, the foundation, the spotty foundation was like, oh, my conscience is telling me that's wrong. But it's like it's so much fun. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you're sitting here going. How is it wrong if it's right in front of me? You know, and then by the time you are, you know, you hit that brick wall, it's like, whew, I knew that was wrong. What was I doing? You know, so uh, that that's my personal, you know. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I know we got perfects over here, so I mean, go no, ahead. Then. No, no, I'm just not. <laughs> I mean, when you Does know, he think, saved it three. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Um. We can get into my testimony another time. All right. Um, if you think about pouring a foundation, you know, building a house where when is when is that foundation ready to be built upon? Mm. After it cures. When it cures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So you start laying the foundation and we, we've been calling it a spotty foundation. And I don't think it's a spotty foundation. It's a foundation that hasn't cured. Yeah. Yet. Yeah. You know, a few blocks still. Right. And so, (laughs) so you you can't build on a foundation until it's cured. The parent's responsibility is to lay the foundation. Right. Mm -hmm. Once they accept Christ, that foundation has been cured. The church's responsibility is to build upon that foundation. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to put it. It so, really is. So you're saying you're only solid as what you're building on? I think that's in the Bible. Right from that's right. Yeah, you know. So, and that's where that's where sometimes in youth ministry, when I've had parents that are like, "My kids come to you, but they still act this way." <laughs> and my response is. I can only build with what I'm given. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Need a bigger hammer and you go away. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> when you keep pouring water on the foundation, it hasn't cured yet. I can't I can't build upon that foundation yet. So. Nope. That's true. That's a good way of putting it, too, because the world is constantly pouring yeah. water on it. The yeah. world is constantly raining on it, raining mm-hmm. on the parade. That's That's... You know, and I may have mentioned it before, but I think that is, I know that, and it's because it's in the Bible that Satan and all of the fallen, they know their time is finite. They know that they are, they are done at a certain point. They know they lose. Only thing they can do is cause as much mess until that point. Right. I mean, they, we, it, I think it was, it wasn't an ax, but whatever, I can't remember exactly where it is, but you know, there's the, 
the the demons and the men who were living in the tombs and they were like you know are have you come to torment us before the time yeah right they know it's coming so all they can do until that time is just try to ruin as many people as possible and they will continually find any crack they can in that foundation and expand it and keep messing with it and that's why we got to be constantly fixing it yeah and And it's 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 bad how easy that it can be for people society Mm -hmm. the world just to show them a little bit of that freedom and that crack splits open and they're Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure we've all, I'm not going to speak for you. I got in trouble for that with Derek, but <laughs> I'm sure we all been in a situation that where it was easy enough for us to cross that line. And it was like, wow, I know what I knew better, but why mm-hmm. did I do that? You know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I could say it's probably, yeah, they're waiting for that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yep. No doubt. Yep. As, as, but, you know, when, when Satan was testing Jesus, there's a reason that he was able to offer him all of the nations. It wasn't an empty offer. He didn't make that. You, you wouldn't give that offer if you didn't own them all. He couldn't say, I can give this all to you. Now, Jesus will own it all, and he knows he will. But Satan was saying, forget, forget all that. I think, you know, that's, that's exactly what the preacher was on. Is he was saying, you can cut around and just go straight to, straight to it if you want. I'll give it to you. And so as you're saying, yeah, the reason that's why it's so easy is because that there's a reason they say he is the ruler of this world right now, because everything is stacked against us. But it also shows the power of God that there's nothing he can do to get rid of Christianity. There's nothing he can do to get rid of us. He just keeps pouring water on it and and doing the best he can to mess it up. And our constant fight is to keep reinforcing, is to keep keep shoring it back up and to keep hoping and waiting for that Holy Spirit to come in. As you said, cure it. I really liked that, that analogy because once the Holy Spirit really does step in, that's that aha moment you were talking about, Randy. I think that's when the Holy Spirit truly comes into you. And that's when they can't tear your foundation apart anymore. Now you'll still mess up. You'll still, you know, knock a wall down or you'll still, you know, forget to put something in the right spot. But But the best part of that is rebuilding. Yeah. You'll need to use a crowbar to remove the the cabinets, and you decide yeah. to use a sledgehammer and tear out a wall instead. <laughs> I'm ready for that one, Randy. Yeah. I got but, a lot of preaching analogies coming in. Right, <laughs> first sermon, y'all get ready. But yeah, if you can get to that point where that that moment hits, where the Holy Spirit comes mm-hmm. in, and actually that that's when that click happens. That's really cool to see. I mean, yeah. I you know I've seen it in my experience and in my wife as well, and um, I, I'm kind of seeing it in our daughter. You know, I mean, she did it, her, when she expressed that she wanted to get baptized. I've talked about it in one of the previous podcasts, but it was still it was something really special for us because we were we were trying so hard not to push it because we knew if we would have pushed, she would have gotten baptized instantly. It would have been kind of wishy washy, yeah. yep. if you will. But uh, allowing her to to be asked by someone else completely separate from us and just her reaction that we saw that really helped us to understand that, mm-hmm. that and I'm not saying own, she's got her own response. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I'm not saying she's got it all. She's still yeah. figuring it out. She's, I mean, she's eight. She's about yeah, to turn start nine, somewhere. Yeah. but yeah, but she, I think she may, she very well may have like cured that foundation already. Yeah. And now she, I'm not saying she's done. She's got tons to learn, yeah. but even this morning, you know, I was sitting there, uh, 
reading my Bible and I'd woke her up. She didn't get up. She went back to sleep and she came up and came out and she didn't realize that she had fallen back asleep. And she says, dad, are we going to read our Bibles? And she was ready to read Bible with me. I was like, Oh honey, that was like an hour ago. Like you fell back asleep and she was bummed that she didn't get to sit and read Bible with me. So I'm like, that's just, I mean, that you can't help feel good. So did, that's what happened. Did you read more of your Bible then? No, I just turned on the Bible podcast <laughs> while I was making breakfast and doing dishes. So, but she listens to it with me in the morning. Yeah. I, like I was saying, I that's used good. to put the earbuds in and now instead I play it out loud yeah. and she'll go and turn it up if she can't hear it or she'll carry it with her if, if she's moving around because she wants to hear it too. And so, you know, I hope she keeps that with her her whole yeah. life. That's awesome. Love it. Yeah. And I have to credit my wife for a lot of that. I mean, you know, I definitely have, I I am, she has laid a lot more foundation than I have in that regard. I mean, homeschooling her and making sure that part of her curriculum is Bible study. You know, she's, they are, she is studying the word with her every day as well and taking her through lessons about it, not just going through the, the, you know, I'm not going to call them stories because everyone loves, oh, the Bible stories. No, the historical act. historical they, accounts. They are. They are. They're backed up in other writings and other scriptures. And historical truths. There's evidence of all, almost all of them. I mean, it's it's the only book we have that's that old that has so many cross-references and has so much other evidence from history. I mean, it's literally one of the greatest historical documents of our time. And uh, but so my wife does tons of work with her with that. And and if it would have been left up to me, I can tell you she would not be where she is right now. Like my wife is definitely our rock and helps us to stay focused on what's important, um, you know, and, and just making sure that we don't we don't slide. We don't slack, you know, and, and I, I know, again, that's that is my role as the man in the house is to actually do the, you know, set the course and to chart it. And so, you know, she does listen when I say, okay, we're going to go to this or she's going to go to that, or, you know, we're going to got the camp coming up and, and my wife's like, yeah, it's the first year she could go. She's a little young. I don't know if we're ready to send her. And I'm like, I think she needs to go. I'll be there. So I said, and that's why that's what she was worried about. (laughs) Yeah, I'll slide this one in. I sent this to Derek. This uh, early this morning, I don't think he read it because he didn't reply. But anyway, uh, discipline will take you places. Motivation can't. And I think like you were talking about your daughter wanting to have that Bible time. Mm -hmm. You know, that's more discipline than motivation at some point because, yeah, you guys got to set time. You guys do this. And, you know, I'm not saying you can't have just any time to read the Bible, but I'm just saying – I think being disciplined and structured in your life and then having motivation behind it. Yep. I think you could probably go further in life with that yep. way. Yep. I wish I could remember his name. I can't remember who said it, but it's it. And he I is just a, said that. Well, <laughs> oh, just, I'm joking. <laughs> he's, a, he's a biblical motivational speaker. And again, his theology, is, I'm not 100% sure on it, but one of the things he always says is, you know, again, you do not rise to your goals. You will fail to your process. So yeah, if your goal is to read more Bible... You'll never achieve it if you don't say, okay, I'm going to read my Bible every morning at six o'clock, yeah, right? True. I'm going to get up an extra half hour early so I can spend 30 minutes reading my Bible. If you don't do that, you'll never read it. Yeah. It won't happen. And then what do you say? 21 days to make it routine? Is that what it it's is? Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's 21 days to make I it routine. I always count those days and I'm like, man, I didn't make it this time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get there. I'll get there. 20 and a half. <sighs> 21 days is such a Failed. long time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that old, uh, that old 
thing they used to always have in the sitcoms back in the day, you know, the number of days since last accident that they yeah. hang up and they change. I saw a meme that was, you know, the number of days since the last sin. What you got, Jed? I found this one the other day and kind of fits. If you don't heal what hurt you, you'll bleed on the people who didn't cut you. Ooh, mm. that's pretty, deep. Pretty deep. <laughs> Very deep. <laughs> that's good, though. Yeah, that you're in charge good. quotes for now on. You just take that on over. Golly. <laughs> Why didn't we let you lead this tonight? I don't know. <laughs> well, started with that, man. And that's the, I think, as you were talking about earlier, Daniel, that's what happens with people is that yeah. somebody yeah. hurts you and you then blame everybody else yeah. in the church yeah. for that one person mm-hmm. or group of people. It doesn't have to be one. But yeah. it's it's what I hear constantly is is people who say, oh, I, I left the church because because it hurt me because so and so hurt me. Somebody yeah. did so, a person did something terrible and it and it was mean and it was yeah. wasn't Christian. And it, how if, if it all hit Christians are hypocrites because of this one person or this small group. And now you're now you're letting you're hurting everybody else. You're yeah. ruining your opportunity yeah. to help someone else. Mm-hmm. And and if we put all our faith in God and Jesus will be fine. That heals us. Yeah. Yep. I like it. That was a good one. It's easy to say. I don't know about how easy it is to do. Um, it's but it's a lot harder to do than it is to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, just like everything else. That's where a lot of prayers come in. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Because we're human, you know, and humans are going to just hurt people i mean that's the way for whatever reason we are yep you know um that's the the sin nature in us yep we've always got the you know that that little trope of the little angel and the little devil on your shoulders i mean you've got the holy spirit in you talking to you all the time but there's always that little devil who loves to just jump in when your blood's racing and just says hey do this and bam you do it i mean it just you don't even think you react and you're like man what why like just you were saying why why did i do that yeah like i knew i shouldn't i knew i don't actually want to but you don't even take a moment to think about it and it's done Mm -hmm. and and that's again where we just have to repent and just say um you know help me help me lord so, Jed, let me ask you this question then to follow up that quote that you just yeah, kind of I saw can't deep with. That, so I you're, mean, I'm done. <laughs> um, Randy's putting away the iPad. I might let you answer that. How do you know that you've healed the cut? Hmm. Does it ever heal? I, I believe it does. I'm just asking. I don't. But I don't know how to prove that to yeah. you but right i believe that yes you can heal that cut um but you can't forget it that is one thing that i have a hard time with that's well, the hardest I I mean, I'm, I'm just i'm just saying just just bringing the point up yeah, well, i'm not i'm not saying negative right or whatever because you just, look at your own body you if you have a cut you have a scar right i mean i've got a scar on my finger from where i lost the tip of it that like, wasn't smart. I'm not going to forget that <laughs> happened, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'll never forget that, oh, man, that finger is shorter than my other pointer finger. Like, you don't cut open a, a golf ball with a razor blade and let it slip. <laughs> right. So, like, you're going to have the scar from the cut, but how do you know when it's healed? 
I, I don't know if that's, it's, it's one of those things where I don't think you need to, you shouldn't worry about it too much, right? Cause it will heal. And you, you don't want to sit there and hold yourself back and say, I got to wait until this is healed before mm-hmm. I can follow up with the Lord or before I can go back to church or before I can read my Bible again. I mean, I think that going to church, being in fellowship, studying even harder is is going to heal it faster. That's going to be what's going to help you recover. If you focus on it, if you sit there and say, I've got this hurt and I'm, I'm going to sit here and do you know focus on that hurt until it's better you know you're not going to get anywhere you're, you're going to just be stuck there it's like you know when when uh, uh i'm trying to think it was when Pe- you know, it was peter was stoned right and he didn't die and he just got up he didn't like sit there and nurse his wounds he just got up and went i mean he just yeah. just rose up and went on i believe if you go back to church and get back in the people and you're, you won't forget about that one, but take it back to this. Take it to when your your mother or your grandmother was pulling a splinter out of your toe or your finger. Mm-hmm. What did they do? They're not telling you to look right there at the needle poking in your finger. Right. Look uh, the other way. You're being distracted. Yeah. So when you get back into the church and around people, that's your distraction and you're growing. So mm. that'll... You know, when it's healed is when you do forget about it mm-hmm. because that's what you're supposed to do. You're, yeah. If someone hurts you in that way, you are not only supposed to, well, you're, yes, you're supposed to forgive. You're supposed to offer them forgiveness and grace. Now you don't have to become best friends with them again mm. unless they actually truly repent. Mm-hmm. That's one level that, you know, I, it isn't always fully explained in there that yes, you must forgive everyone for every sin they've put against you. But if they don't repent of those sins that you don't offer fellowship, mm-hmm. right? So there's, there is a level in there of that forgiveness, right? Um, and, and, and this is the hardest part for all of us, I think, as humans, is that point where you are supposed to forgive and forget. We always forget that second part. That's the Bible asks us to forget, forgive the way that the Lord forgives, right? Your sins will be so far away as from the east is from the west. That's what we're supposed to do. I forget all the time. What are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> I think Randy this one that. might go in with this. It might not read right, but I'm, I've made my peace not making amends with certain people. You can forgive without having rec- reconciliation because of the, the importance of your quality of life. Make peace with the ones who caused the destruction in the first place. Is not an obligation you're entitled to. If it does not bring you peace, you don't have to subject yourself to it. <laughs> I quit. Come on, Randy. <laughs> but it, it is exactly what we're talking about. The it's, best uh, one I've got to follow that up, and it's not the flesh has to die so the spirit can live. Yeah, I like. I mean, it. and it is it it's is our flesh deep. that's it's holding not on deep to it, though. like Jed's, but here it is. <laughs> but it's hey, it's the same fr- thing. All free tonight. This just that's happened. Right. So, this do you think a, God yeah, might have had these here for me? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's <laughs> how he works. We're, we're freestyling tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's there's we have a tendency to harbor grudges. Mm-hmm. We have a tendency to to allow that to creep in. And, and what that quote is saying is, is that 
if you don't forgive and then forget if they won't ask for repentance, then it's affecting you. That's it's right. going to affect your walk. It's going to affect your ability to open up to not the next person to, to, because you know, you're afraid of being hurt again. Mm-hmm. It's that the, you have to be almost, you know, childlike ignorance in that because children are good at that, right? Children mm-hmm. can get hurt and get upset and somebody could do something real mean to them. And then the next day we're best friends again, That's you right. know, and adults don't, don't, we have, it's, it's, we get so much hardened. I don't know. It's the scars, the calluses. It's how many times it's happened. It's, it's society also tells us not to do it. We are constantly being told by the world that, you know, oh, that person did something to you. Well, you cut them out of your life and you tell everybody how bad they are and you make sure that everybody knows that they need to be canceled because of what they did to you. And that's, that's not what we're supposed to do at all. No. Well, it's like your scar on your finger. Is that on your mind all the time? Oh. Or just every once in a while when every, you look once down? Once you look and, down at it, yeah. So, is it healed? Yeah. So. It's, it's healed. I can use it. Yeah. I have sensory. I can feel. You feel a little bit. You know. It's actually how I always could tell my left hand from my right hand because I actually got bit by a dog on my left hand oh. and I can actually feel that scar. It's like yeah. tight because it was so such a bad bite. Like, so this right here, if I open hmm. my hand, so I, I'm slightly dyslexic. And when I was a little kid, I had such a hard time telling my left from my right. I got mixed up all the time. Tell a dog bit me in the left hand. <laughs> and then from then on, always, I was like, that's my left. I can feel it. I can feel that scar. Yeah. But Thanks dog. Right. Yeah. Right. But I don't think about it all the time. No, I don't think about it hardly ever. Except for, and now I know my left from my right, but you know, through those yeah. few younger years, it was whenever I was like, oh, wait, left. Yep. There it is. Like, yeah. so it can also help. Well, those scars can be, yeah, can be helpful. I mean, you know, scars are, scars are good because it shows that that skin has healed up. Mm-hmm. Right. I wonder and, if you looked at Jesus's back, are all the scars still there? I mean, he had the oh, wounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they talk about the wounds in his hands and the wound in his side. But what they did to his back, I mean. What they did to his whole body. What they did to his whole his body. Back, that's yeah. true. But, yeah, yeah I mean. Wrapped around. But, could you imagine what that would look like? You know, I, I don't think. I don't know. I don't think the scars are there. I think the holes in his hands and feet and in the side. But I don't know. Because the way the cat of nine tails was, was it wrapped around. So whatever it grabbed, it ripped. So I mean, mm-hmm. like his face, his chest, his back, his legs. Right. It would have gotten darn near everything. Yeah. And so I don't know. I don't know either. I mean, we won't know until we see him face to face, but. Right. And we get new bodies. Does he get I a new body he, too? Yeah. Right. I think he, his, his body was perfected, you know, and the holes were there for what purpose? Just so they could not so be the, doubting. So the apostles wouldn't doubt anymore, right? Yep. So then have the holes healed up? Don't know. And That's I, a know whole what? other podcast. I bet you. <laughs> I would, you know, from the power of God, I wouldn't be surprised in that if, if somebody who needed to see the holes sees the right. holes. And if right. somebody who doesn't need to see the holes, doesn't see the holes. Because yeah. that... that That'd be right in line. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, that's a, that's God's going to show you what you need. That's a, that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Good dad joke. Thanks. <laughs> I'm not even a dad. <laughs> Some people see scars and it's a wounding that you remember. 
to me, they are proof of the fact that there is healing. Mm. Mm-hmm. I show my scars that others may know that they can heal. Yeah. yeah. Go for it, Jed. It's your turn. So, <laughs> if you talk about your scars, not physical scars, but like spiritual scars, you're hurt mm-hmm. from other people. If you talk about it, have you completely healed yet? Depends on how you talk about it. Mm-hmm. It really does. Are you are you talking about it from a point of reference saying, this person did this thing and that's hurt me? Right. Then I don't think you have. If you talk about it from a, when someone does this to a person and yeah. you take yourself out of the equation, I think then you could possibly have healed. Because so, so it's a learning experience. Per- personal experience. Because one of our students here is feeling called into ministry and um, asked me, is being a youth pastor hard? Like, is ministry hard? Um, and my simple answer was yes. And then it was, well, how? And so I brought up my last church and the hurt. You know, I was like, this is what happens in some churches. Didn't say this is what happened to me, but this is what happened in some churches to people. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a scar. That, that, I mean, we've discussed, that's a scar that cut deep. That's yep. why I left. That's why yeah. I had my Jonah moment. Um, yeah. You know, and, and, and I, I don't know, part of me just wonders, like, every time you talk about it personally, are you ripping the scab open to expose the scar back? Again, I think if you, if you would have said that it was because person X did this to me, then I could easily see how you're opening it back up again because mm-hmm. you're you're diving back into the exact wound. But instead saying, these are the type of things that you will face mm-hmm. and then you need to go through them. And you need to you need to be not saying, I'm telling you this to scare you away from it. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you this so that you are prepared. This mm-hmm. is like saying the the enemy is going to have arrows. Bring a shield. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's that's the, a tactic that you're taking with it, as opposed to saying, you know, the enemy's got arrows. They're going to kill you. Right. I mean, yeah. <laughs> God allows you to get those scars to teach someone else. Mm-hmm. And that's not a quote I found on the Internet, by the way. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I thought that up just now in my own head. Uh, I'm sure somebody said it before. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure. But I haven't read it. Yeah. That's but one thing he, I don't but, believe about copyrights. Every word has been said exactly. together in some form or fashion. Right. Yeah. It's so true. You know, but we, we do. We often, we sit there and go, well, why did God let me go through this? God let you go through it so you can help somebody else go through it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you might not know the answer. It, it might take you 40 more years before I mean, you see the answer, the that, reason why. That happened in 16, and now here it is, 2023, and I was just able to share. Yeah. And you then, know. and it might, you shared it and it might be 15 more years before the same situation happens to them. And right. then instead of crumbling and giving up, they say, you know what? I knew this yeah. was going to happen. I was prepared for it. Yeah. I'm going to get through it. So yeah. again, yeah, it's, it's a long game. It's yeah. a long game. Oh, absolutely. So I like that though. Cause it's, it's, it gives you that frame of reference to how you need to, to look at all of those things, to, to look at all of the lessons we are taught, right? I don't think that the time that my wife and I spent out of the church was, it wasn't great, but it wasn't wasted. God can turn it to good. 
He can he can grow and his will can be accomplished through all things. Without being anything. where you were, you wouldn't be where you're at now. Exactly. 100%. So, yeah. yeah. Right. You change one thing and it's a complete deviation, right? There's mm-hmm. a, the, a movie. I can't remember what the name of it is, but it's, you know, the guy misses his train. Like the door shuts. He misses getting into the subway train because he was like that close, like literally slams in his face. And then it was the, the tale of how his life diverged from that point. Did he get on the train? Did he not get on the train? Right. And again, I haven't seen this movie in a really long time, but you know, it was that, that simple little change in the end, it was a, you know, complete divergence in one life. He had, you know, money, wealth, and power, and absolutely no family. And in the other diversion, he had met the girl of his dreams, had kids, had a family. And, you know, again, the world would look at it and say, well, the man with all the wealth and power, well, he's the more important man. But God, God does not look at it that way at all. It was the man with the wife and the family and the raising and the continuing on. And granted, I don't, this movie was secular, so it didn't have Bible in there and it should have, but that would have been the the continuation and God's story of that. It would have been, you know, he, he is going to reward the family at home with kids who raise them in the Bible over the man who makes a billion dollars every single time. Mm Mm-hmm. You said you had another one. Jed made a billion dollars? No, I'm scared. <laughs> That's what I was about to ask. <laughs> we should have much nicer I chairs have one, in here. But this is going to probably take us down a different road a little bit. But What's the God never gives you a dream that matches your budget. He's not checking your bank account, He's checking your faith. Who? That's always true. Mm-hmm. It kind of goes back to that question we started with tonight. It does. Yeah. <laughs> Nice way to loop it back around. Yeah, loop back around. Good. yeah. That's it, the that's the teacher in you, Jed. Teacher, where do you get that at? <laughs> that's that's the problem. Even we talk about as a church sometimes because you know we are in the planning process of trying to figure out how to expand, mm-hmm. and it's going to take a lot of faith because building anything right now is not not cheap. Right. And, and the, if you look at the numbers or what it would take to build what we think we need, it seems impossible. Like any normal non-Christian would look at that and say, you're ridiculous. You're not going to do that. Like, what are you talking about? But we have to, we have to say, you know what, God, if this is your will, it will happen. Yep. If it's not your will, it ain't going to happen. Not gonna and happen. we got to be happy with it both ways. Yep. And, and it's as a, you know, I've heard a couple different stories from a couple different people about how churches will just hang on to that nest egg they got, that rainy day fund they've got, and lack say, of faith, the fund. lack of faith fund, right? Yeah, that that they just like, well, we can't spend that because how are we gonna, you know, keep everything going? Or what if we have a couple of bad months? Or what if we have anything that that slows us down? And mm-hmm. and I think you got to look at it like Jesus sent out the apostles when he said, you know, don't take a money bag, don't take an extra cloak, you don't need none of that. I will provide everything for you. Mm-hmm. And I think if you have a church that is moving in the word and moving in faith and in the will of God, you could start with zero dollars and build a multi-million dollar facility and have it full with people at some point. Again, if it's the will of God and not just 
our will, trying to say we want a big, fancy, flashy church. We want to have all these special things. We're going to attract people because of how fancy our building is. It's more of a we need more room because we need more people. We have more people coming. That's what we keep talking about. It's like, how do we fit the people who are coming? I mean, this last Sunday, I don't even know how many people there were, but it was the last couple of Sundays. It was pretty darn full in there. Yeah, this last week we had 97 uh, last week, the week before that, we had a hundred and what did I count? It's like a hundred and nine, a hundred and ten, something like that. Right. I mean, and I know I'm sure there's probably some people listening who goes, man, I go to a church with a thousand people per service and we do five services and I don't care. I don't I, care because <laughs> for little, little church like ours. Yeah. The little to, building to be, we're in, yeah. the little town we're in, yeah. the little corner we're on, like a hundred seems huge. And and as we said earlier, too, if there was one and then you got to figure out how do you fit two, right? Or how do you fit 10 yep. or how do you fit 20? And so I think, you know, as long as we focus on that, as long as we focus on, on, on just what is God's will, not what are the tools we have? What is the money we have? Mm-hmm. What are the skills we have? God does not call the equipped. He, he equips, equips the, the called. <laughs> It's like Roger says, what's a, uh, we got to have the God sized faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 I mean, All things are possible. How, how are we going to know what we can afford, not afford? I mean, it's, it's, at the end of the day, it, it's going to be either we can or can't. That's it. Yeah. It's, and it's all up to God in the end, as long as we keep working. Like, and, you know, you don't want to say that and get some people to think that God's some sort of genie where you can make a wish exactly. and sit back. Yeah. Yeah. But if we work, if we're diligent, if we constantly question and ask the Lord for help and guidance and keep pushing, if it's the Lord's will, we will succeed. Oh, yeah. And again, we have to be patient. Yeah. It was something that happened overnight. I know. I know. I saw some, <laughs> I saw a few people's eyes when we were like, well, this, so this, when we say temporary and we mean like five years temporary, they're trying to wrap their heads around. How's that temporary? It's like, well, when you're talking building a church, you're talking on like 10 and 20 year cycles here. Yeah. We're not talking like, it's not like building a house where we buy some property, we build a house next year, we're moving in. That's not how it works. But we also got to think too, as far as we're going on another tangent about building, but <laughs> it doesn't happen overnight building. Yeah. So that five years is actually what, probably seven years because you're going to have to have building time mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. actual builders to be there. So you got to work around schedules. Yep. And so, on, on this side of it, that seems like a long time. Yeah. When we get to the other side of it, we're going to be like, man, that went fast. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It, it does seem like a long time, but then, I mean, four years flew by for me, and I'm like, wow, I've been here four years. That flew by, you yep. know. Yep. Time flies when you have fun. Mm-hmm. To be your age again. Hey, I'll be 33 <laughs> tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. I know. Well, let's get you a walker or something. Uh, Harmony's birthday's Thanks. on Sunday, so you guys are almost birthday yeah, buddies. We're, we're One almost, day apart. Almost birthday Or two buddies. days apart. Two days apart. Yeah. She's excited. We're going to go down to that uh, new aquarium. Down in Rogers? Down in Rogers. Yeah. yeah. We're going to go check that place out. That'll be fun. Bass Pro Shops, aquarium, something or another. I don't remember what they call it, but it oh, looks pretty cool. No, that's, uh, I know which, it's it, not the Bass Pro Shop. Well, it's ones, owned, it's, it's, it was funded yeah. by the guy who owns Bass Pro Shops. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they put the Bass Pro Shop name on it, but he's the one who opened it. No, so. it's a it's a chain aquarium. 
Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, we, so, you know, I'm from Minnesota, so we had Underwater World up there for a long time at the uh, Mall of America. <laughs> Those Yankees. <laughs> yep. You could walk through tubes and see sharks swimming over your head and they're jellyfish. It was cool. It was you cool. Can, you can do that over in Gatlinburg, too. Yeah. Not their aquarium. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of no, Shanks no. has it like that. Now he diverted to aquariums. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't matter what we talk about. We just got to imagine, hey, God made everything. So it's nice to see some of that stuff instead of having to go to the ocean. You can just we're, go to an aquarium and see that stuff and be like, I'm good now. I don't see the we're talking eaters. About, <laughs> <laughs> think about it. We, we walk, we're walking in tubes and we see these things swimming over us in an aquarium. Imagine being the Israelites walking across the Red Sea. Oh man. Yeah. And seeing it in the wall of water. Oh wow. <laughs> yep. Or Peter walking on the water and you see a fin <laughs> swim by. Yep. Yeah. Hey, it's the closest we can get right now. I know. Right? I mean I, I I don't run, but I'd have to run. Be like, nope, it's gonna come down. That thing's gonna eat me. Let's roll. I'll see you guys on the other side. That's one of those beast things. You'd be like, wow, Randy's faster than all of us. It's not lack of faith. It's just I know it could happen. <laughs> right, right. It's their it's their domain. They could swim faster, and I could move. <laughs> You know, it's funny you bring that up. Every time I think about that, it was so, you know, I was studying a study on that story, right? And one of the things that I missed the first few times I've heard that story, right? It's got, you know, the Israelites get to the, the Red Sea and they realize that Pharaoh's closing in behind them. Mm-hmm. And God actually tells them, okay, I need you to go here. Go mm-hmm. over here. Go back over to this part. And they're like, no, no, that's not, the, that's, that's closer. We're going the wrong direction. And he actually commands them to go over in, into uh, the base of a mountain that's at the sea there. And this is something I didn't understand, of course, and it's not in the Bible, but it, the, the mountain he has them stand in front of to part the sea was actually the mountain that the locals worshipped their God at. Mm-hmm. And their God was the sea God. So he had them stand in front of the sea God's mountain to show them what God could really do with the sea. So it's, there's always, it's always layers to the way God works. It's, it's never yeah. just what you see right in front of you. It's that that's, that's the hard part for us to ever understand is we don't see the 4d 5d chest that God is playing. Yeah. Right. And there's so many things where you feel that calling to talk to one person, to do this one thing, to teach this one class, to whatever it might be. You you don't understand the importance of why God said, I need you to go to this little church right here and teach three kids mm-hmm. as a youth pastor for a little while. And you're going, man, that was hard and it was tough. And you have no idea what mountain you may have been standing in front of, what, what you know, great amazing work you may have been a part of i just hope that when we get to the other side of it when we get to heaven when we get to sit down in front of god we get to understand it all now i've been told we get complete understanding and i'm hoping that's included in it because it just be to me i love those i love seeing the little interconnected weaves i love seeing how you know there's strings that attach to everything and just being able to look back and just i hope i hope of hope that i'll look back and see just with amazement how much grander it is than even I understand it to be. Yeah, I hope they have a slow room because it's going to take me a while. To <laughs> you got eternity. Out. You got eternity, Randy. You'll be all right, brother. You got all the time now, in now the you world. Said, what now? That? Wait a minute. Back up a little bit. No. 
Yep. I was just talking to my wife about the, you know, the new heaven and the new earth at mm. the end and, and what does that mean and how does that work? And like, does that mean that, you know, and so this is a joke and I think I told you guys about this, but I don't think I mentioned it on the podcast. I was thinking, you know, what would be a funny show? A joke? Yeah, no, no. <laughs> but it'd be a funny show would be, you know, the last guy who makes it the cut to make it into heaven. Right. Like, you know, believed wow. in Jesus and that was it. You know, what I mean? like didn't do anything else. Right. So, you know, I just picture, is he the guy who then has to, you know, sweep the streets of gold yeah. or like <laughs> set his job in heaven? He's like, Hey, I made it. I'm happy, but he's got to, you know, so I, mean, I don't know. like the thief hanging on the cross. I yeah. mean, he's the first one to prove it. So yep. like, right. wow, what'd he do? <laughs> right. Right. Well, oh, anybody got any closing thoughts? That's, I think we're getting, that's we're getting long. Ask there. I'll, I'll have a finishing quote when you guys are ready. Well, I think we're Let's ready for it, Randy. All I think right, we're I want to take it back to the scars here, but never be ashamed of a scar. It simply means you were stronger than whatever tried to hurt you. Mm. Okay. That's a good one. That's right. That's right. Well, Ray, would you like to close us in a word of prayer? Definitely would. Definitely would. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us here. For bringing us together and, and and putting you know these words on our heart and we just pray that someone out there listening has heard something that has helped them that will help bring them closer to you will help encourage them to learn more about you to read their bible more to go to church more to forgive to forget to heal to try again if they feel like they've been wronged and to never give up on you because you never give up on us you are always with us. You are always there to hold us, guide us, and to help us heal. And we often forget that everything is possible through you and that without you, nothing is possible. And just help us to understand when it's to wait, when it's time to move, and when it's time to speak. We just humbly pray for the Holy Spirit to work through us and through all who are listening. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you for listening to Spiritual Debriefing, a podcast supported by First Baptist Church Hawassi. Please like and subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified when we post new episodes, as well as check out our past episodes. We'll be posting new podcasts every other Thursday. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. If you have questions you'd like us to answer, comments, or feedback on the podcast, please contact us through our social media or email us at dmeadows at fbchawassi.com. Thank you, and we hope God blesses your day.